We're back. Are we back? We're back. Mics are live. Welcome to Go Additive, where your hosts combine their real-world professional 3D printing experience to deliver valuable opinions that will help you peer behind the curtain of the additive industry. And now, Go Engineer's own Tyler Reed and Tate Brown. Been a minute since uh, we listened to that. That feels good. It does, huh? It really does, <laughs> dude. It's been like a month. A timeless classic. Yeah. We, Happy New Year. Yeah. We got to skip all of the classic holiday episodes, right? Like the year in review episode, the Christmas oh, episode. Oh, we're still going to do that. Wait, we are? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> if you want a year in review, there's going to be a blog post dropping. No. Do people read blogs anymore? Uh, yeah, definitely. They do? Uh-huh. So it's in a fact, good thing I still write them? Blogs are coming back, I would say. What? Yeah. Really? Yeah. How? Uh, because people are reading them. <laughs> wow. Um, what's the website? Is it Stack, Stack Overflow? Blogs are nostalgic. Google, Google Stack Overflow. I don't think this is what I'm... What am I thinking of? There's a platform where people write. Where developers learn, share, and yeah, build. Stack Overflow is like the tech support site for developers. That's not what I'm thinking of. Mm, shoot. It's not, this is not, uh, it's not a great start. I'm no. totally blanking this. Blog Stack Overflow? No, it's not called Stack Overflow. Blogspot? Bo no, not Blogspot. Look up. Give me some good keywords here. Paid creator blogging. <laughs> See if that pulls up anything. List of the top 33 get paid to blog sites for writing <laughs> posts. Okay. That's um, eh, six best blogging platforms. Shoot, I'm I'm searching this now because I sent my wife one How of these. How embarrassing. This what is totally to, this is what totally a way embarrassing. to start the year. I know. Like we don't know what we're doing. Oh my God. Listen, everybody, we know how to Google things. <laughs> me in particular. It's actually a skill that I'm very proud of. And Tyler's just not feeding me the right stuff. Oh uh, this is embarrassing. I know. This is really important. Um okay. <laughs> <laughs> I sent my wife a link to this site and it's just my mind's blanking but i was i was browsing for 3d printing focused writers on this site okay and, and there were f very few but there was one did my name pop up no because you go <clears throat> you you write on the site and people okay. it's like patreon gotcha yeah but for writing and there was do you know patreon like only fans Patreon's not like OnlyFans. <laughs> I feel like they're the same thing. It's I when I watch YouTube vi videos, people are like, "If you want to support me, go to my Patreon." Yeah, and my OnlyFans. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> they may not may not say that second part, but fundamentally, you're it's a way for people to just support you in your endeavors, financially support a specific person, right? I and feel so, like that's a Gen Z thing to like. Hey, here's. I, I want. I like your channel. Here's two bucks. Yeah, like they'll watch your live thing. Like us, we could be streaming right now, and there'd be Gen Zers like giving us a dollar here or there. I hope Gen Zers listen to us because that means that we're somewhat relevant and uh, for the immediate future. We are geriatric millennials. <laughs> okay, there are a few things that Gen Z has really embraced that makes, and I try to use that. I struggle with um, Discord. Twitter? Discord. No, Twitter is not Gen Z because Twitter. Reddit. I started my Twitter account in I think two thousand nine. You still have one? The Gray Gizmo? Is that <laughs> what it is? It's not. Oh, but um, all right, we're gonna bleep that out, but because <laughs> <laughs> that's um, gonna show up everywhere on I the know. internet. My my Twitter account's oh. completely empty. I don't actually boring. It is boring, but it's not a Gen Z thing. Discord is one discord servers do you ever use discord nope servers never do you know what they are not once 
Um, totally a Gen Z thing. In fact, I'm even part of a Gen Z Discord server, and I don't understand what's going on at all in it. Can someone write into the show and explain these to us, please? <laughs> there are a few Discord servers that I, I get. Like, I understand it, a lot of what it works, but the appeal of it over some other ways I don't fully understand. But I joined, like, a a rocketry discord server a couple weeks ago. Okay. And I've been reading through that. I'm like, okay, this is one of the first servers where I actually feel like this is useful, useful because you're collecting, um, people from all around the world are contributing and it's active. There's an aerospace 3d. Printing. How is it organized? Uh, so you have like, um, discord itself is either you come in through a browser or it's a separate standalone app. Okay. And then once you get on there, there are different servers. So let's say this rocketry server, someone created it and it might serve a specific community. It might not. And then within a server, there's different channels. And so it's all about grouping discussions per the topic. So it's a forum. It's, but it's like a live chat. It's a live chat. But it's recorded. Yeah, you can go back. You can recorded. go back through history. Is it personalized or is it's it like viewable teams. to everyone? It's like Teams. Okay. It's exactly like Teams. It's exactly like Teams. So I can't go look at conversations you've had with other people. You couldn't see direct conversations that I have. Well, how's that useful to me? Because because you can just talk to some NASA scientist. Well, it's not all. We use Teams for personal chat mostly, but there's group chats too. Okay. And so most of Discord. So this I is think, going way back to chat rooms. Kind of. Yeah. Yeah. It's a chat room server. Yeah. It's very much like that. <laughs> That's very nostalgic. <laughs> what was your first chat app that you used? Was it AOL? No, I actually, I remember my siblings would use like MSN Messenger. Um, I wasn't really into that. Really? Oh, okay. MSN Messenger. I didn't do, I didn't do that stuff. What's really old school is like IRC chats. I played outside. Oh, come on. I did cool things. I, IRC. Did you I ever? I was a little Huckleberry have, Finn. Dude. IRC. I was outside with a slingshot. Yeah. Whoosh, making trouble right. in the neighborhood. I was definitely on AOL, just trying to find people to talk to. I mean, I was getting those I was less than 10 years in old. The mail oh, yeah. For like the year, yeah. the subscription to AOL. For sure. And then I had MSN chat, and then I had something called Trillion, which Trillion was a third-party app where you could log in like with your AOL, with your MSN, any other chat credentials, but it was all in one nice. thing. Yeah. Dude. Yeah. Throwback. That's totally a throwback. Speaking of nostalgia, since it is the first of the year, we'll just take, we've already wasted a couple minutes of your time. I want to say <laughs> something. I went and saw a movie last night. What'd you see? Scream. But you want to know how I did it? How? Two buddies and me, we're trying to think of something to do and we decide we're going to a movie. Okay. Everyone whips out their phone first thing. And what do you do? You start looking for movie times, um, the best theater nearby, and you want to know the ratings of the movies that you might see. And you waste a half an hour doing all that. And you kind of, your expectations basically rise or fall depending on what the world has said about this film. We went straight old school. I said, put away your phones. We're walking up to the ticket counter. And we're just going to see what's playing in the next 30 minutes. We had two options, West Side Story and Scream. I would have seen either, but they chose Scream. Okay. That's what we went and saw. Um, not for the faint of heart. It's a little, it's not like the old school ones. So it's you're a you're, little heavier. Okay. Is it Scream, what, seven? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> it's, who knows? It's that like whole, four or five. I don't know. Okay. But- my point being, the experience of seeing the movie was probably tenfold my movie viewing experience from the past because it felt so old school, like buying the ticket, getting held the, 
or getting handed the paper ticket where you actually yeah show it to the person as you walk in. Oh man, it was awesome. The movie <laughs> was okay, but like it was just the whole experience was so much better just walking yeah. up and doing it. Yeah. So there's something to be said about these things that are coming back. For sure. Right? Like there's definitely a feel, a vibe as the kids say. I went to two movies in December and it had been a while, obviously, but before that. And um, the experience now, at least here in Utah, where all of the theaters have reclining seats and you can't even see the row in front of you or behind you, definitely- Some of them have heaters. Yeah, yeah. Definitely would bring me back because that was the biggest problem before is like having to deal with other people and you know hearing them eat candy and play with wrappers. And Just hoping like you that. don't get someone over six feet tall in front of you. Yeah. 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 So the, how they've isolated people a little bit has definitely improved it. Substack is the, is the website I was thinking of. You found it? Substack. My memory, man. I'm gonna it's Google going. This. So Substack, I went through um, about a month ago and I was looking for any 3D printing uh, focused channels. And there were a few, but the one that really caught my eye was a guy who was focused on uh, 3D printing uh, stocks and- Stonks? Stonks, yeah. And his content was awesome. A lot of it's behind a paywall. Right. A, a lot of it's not. And his stuff was open and I was reading through, I was like, this is awesome analysis. And, but the latest post from him was, um, I'm stopping this channel because it's a conflict of interest. I got hired on by Mark Forged as their like market analysis guy. Oh my gosh. Bummer. I know it was a bummer. So could but, you still retroactively view his old stuff? Yeah. It's like a blog, but you can have different levels where people pay for access. Gotcha. Some of these cryptocurrency like only guys- fans. <laughs> Some of these <laughs> cryptocurrency guys have tens of thousands of people paying monthly. Oh yeah, they make all their money off people buying into their yeah. their analysis. That is the thing now, right? Like all these people sign up are, for my newsletter. Yeah, yeah, or my course, my masterclass. Hey, I'm my my five minute long masterclass. Yeah, yeah. Well, but, hey, got to get paid. Okay, so point being, that was a long way around saying blogs are still in and they're making a comeback. So someone out yeah. there has read my blog. Someone for sure. It's on the Go Engineer website. Which one? What's the article about? This new one actually is a year interview kind of thing. Like oh, what's what's happened? That's already posted. Here, it's not posted yet. Oh, okay. It should have been. I submitted it a couple days before the due date, but okay. it didn't get thrown in. It was a wild dash at the end of the year yeah. to get things done. But that'll go live here pretty soon. Cool. Um, what were some of the highlights? Maybe like two highlights. Of last year for me? That you that you wrote about, yeah. F770. Okay. Um, just receiving new equipment. But yeah. the highlight for me being the F770. Which is the large format FDM printer. Yep. That thing has been awesome. Mm-hmm. And... I'm not selling this article very well because there's <laughs> there's a lot of like cool things, but I think I think for us just continuing our digital movement of being able to handle sales and continue doing our jobs as AEs by demonstrating printers live yeah. action on <clears throat> yeah. on a camera in a way that makes it feel like oh yeah, I don't need to show up to your to your lab to see this right. machine in person like this this is the next best thing. Right. Yeah, I have an exact metal walkthrough um, on YouTube that we that went up in the middle of the year. And it's been an awesome asset to have for people who want to come visit, but they can't. You're like, hey, just here's this walkthrough. And it's very much like it's a very raw recording. Mm -hmm. And it's not overly produced. It's how the people like it. I think so. I do. As much as I like and appreciate more highly produced content, sometimes you do want something that's just raw and real because you're always trying to figure out, can I trust this person? Yeah. Do you remember, it, this is, I'm told, okay, I'm just gonna say it. You guys can make your judgments of who I am, but <laughs> do you remember Stacy Davis? Does that name ring a bell? No. He is a man. 
Okay. Stacy, even though his name is Stacy. That's another Gen Z thing, by the way, are pronouns. Oh yeah. He, him, for sure. she, her. He's a he, him. Be- that's becoming a lot more popular. Yeah. So Stacy Davis is a guy on this TV show when I was growing up, it was called Trucks. And he would build, he puts a car up on the lift and he'll do restorations and make, put parts on it, lift kits, things like that. And I'm a kid, you know, I've never worked with tools at all, but I still thought it was so cool. Yeah. Like they're painting flames on trucks. And like, (laughs) I was just a dork, you know, Uh but I loved seeing him work on things and the scenes would just, it it would cut away, go to a commercial. Oh, welcome back. We just finished install. Like, and everything's perfectly clean. The floors, everything's beautiful. And when I first started working on cars, when I was probably like 17, I'm like, this is not like trucks <laughs> at all. Like I just sat on this one nut and bolt for like yeah. probably an hour and a half. And for him, it's always like you get to see him ratchet like the last half a turn to pull the nut off and and uninstall some old equipment. Yeah. When in reality that you fight that stuff like crazy, especially being for in sure. Utah, everything's rusty. For sure. But <laughs> I think I have trauma from that. <laughs> And so that's why I love YouTube videos that show the struggle. Yeah. You know, they show everything. And you're like, ha. That's where the lessons are. I'm not are. the only guy. That's like, where the lessons are. Exactly. You get to see someone else bust their knuckles and maybe drop an F-bomb I in mean, their garage. Anytime something goes as planned or is easy, the, the learning opportunity is not there. There is no learning opportunity. Right? I don't know. And also, when you're when you're watching something... And you're expecting like, okay, I'm learning how to do this, but they don't show or even discuss like all of the probable potential pitfalls. Yeah. Pitfalls. What value does that have? Very little value. Yeah. Which is why I like the more raw stuff that leaves all of that in. Like that's probably why I'll leave in uh, the beginning of this podcast (laughs) where we completely mind blank on uh, we don't bring me in on it's this. a problem that i've had literally since the day i i heard about Substack. i've always confused it with stack overflow because stack overflow is something that's been in my mind for probably a decade plus Substack fairly new all right well that being said you you brought up uh someone who was in the news and it's the mark the Mark. <laughs> From Mark Forged. Yeah. Yeah. Great so, Mark. Interesting piece of news, right? Yeah. Tell us a little bit about it. I mean, I You don't, have some background, and I don't know if you're willing to share. Uh, I have to be really careful okay. about what I share. And I wouldn't even know. I wouldn't even really say it's that valuable. But I do. I found it interesting. Yeah. Because I didn't know that. I didn't have that insight. So we were just talking about the investor analysis that got hired by Mark Forge. I think Mark Forge over the past year has made a strong push into, let's say, uh, professionalizing their uh, business. <laughs> and they've made some uh, really excellent hires by, by my account. And also kind of along with 3D Systems, I think 3D Systems has made some excellent hires this year as well. But on the topic of Mark Forge, They've made a big push into kind of changing who their market is. Who are they selling their machines to? You've seen the release of, I think it's called the FX20. like The The big FDM machine. The big FDM machine, high heat machine. Um, They're they're really gunning after Stratasys. Stratasys is a very well-oiled machine. They're the industry leader. They still have, they're the market leader um, in terms of share of market. And, you know, we're, we're within their channels, so we're pretty familiar with how they do business. And I think Mark Forrest is, is gunning for them. I have no background on Greg, Greg leaving the company, but I have some suspicions that, you know, maybe this movement that they're pursuing. He didn't align with that. That's my suspicion. Because... By all accounts and news sources, everyone's just saying that Greg Mark has resigned yeah. um, his positions as a member of the board of directors and an employee. So yeah. 
by his own will. I think usually that's a signal of conflict. Right. You know, within a company. So we can only speculate. You can only speculate. But you can say pretty safely that there was probably some conflict and some disagreement um, uh, somewhere. But it's not uncommon either. You know, like the people who found and carry a company through the first phase of its life are often not the same person who carry it through, uh, you know, the next phase of their life. And people have different skill sets. Some people are great founders. They're great at formulating ideas and selling people on ideas and are less operational and growth driven, right? Yeah. It's just, it's just the reality of business. Well, business goes on. Mark Forge is yeah. still around mm-hmm. and we'll see, you know, we'll, we'll keep an eye on the situation and see what yep. happens this year. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm interested in seeing what uh, they do technology wise. It sounds like they're moving into a, a big new HQ. And yes. they're combining two locations. Is that the, I think so. Is that yeah. the idea? I think so. Yeah. Cause they've kind of had some people working in one and, and another different groups. Now they're able to combine and have some room for growth. So they're a force to be reckoned with one, uh, another Mark Forge move that I saw this week was they got one of their printers, their metal X printer in the hands of uh Titan Gilroy. Oh my Did God. you see this? Boom, boom, boom. <laughs> Love him or hate him, <laughs> it, the dude has an audience. Yeah. And Boombastic. every 3D printing manufacturer, in my opinion, should have been bending over backwards to get one of their machines. So what he do? In his shop. Has he used it on video? Has he Okay, so this will be a really interesting Should I pull journey. this up? You could. This is going to be an interesting journey for us to follow. And I think we should follow it pretty closely. <laughs> I know exactly why. So he, he got the Metal X machine, which is the filament metal machine. Okay. From Desktop Metal who... No, no, no. From Mark Forge. Oh, sorry. My yep. bad. But same... same. Fundamental, fundamentally the same technology as the studio system from yes. DM and the, the uh, Repedia system from... X1, which is now DM. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what happens there. But okay, so we've we have a whole episode on filament metal. So we have an idea of how this process works. I have a lot of hands-on experience with it. It's multi-stage, right? You print a part, it's green. You have to get the the uh, binders out. Um, Mark Forge is still using a uh, solvent D uh, solvent bath as a second stage and then a thermal centering as the final stage. So in this video, they go through and they talk about the machine and they- This is where they print copper? They print copper and they print the part, but, and they talk about the other steps, but they don't show the steps. So that's tell number one. And- I don't know if you can hear that. I think you might have to- Let's turn it up a smidge. I've got it cranked on my end exhaust all the way outside. There we go. We're super excited about the addition of this system to the additive department. We're I'm kind of curious about that HEPA filter too. Parts, and we're going to be teaching you guys all about it in the process. So stay tuned. In the next video on this printer, we're going to- All right, so if you want to see that, it's on Titans of CNC Machining yeah. YouTube channel. So when we had our system, like we were pretty hesitant about staging it, uh, pre-announcing things. Let's just say we were pretty hesitant about pre-announcing things because you just never knew what was going to happen. And he, they got kind of eviscerated in the comments in YouTube. Like, where's where's the actual part? Oh, you only did this step, et cetera, et cetera. Like, people wanted more. 127 comments. Show us more ASAP. <laughs> yeah. A lot of people are just expressing... Hey, really interested to see more depth. Yeah, yeah. So in terms of educating- Anticlimactic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> in terms of educating a large amount of people, um, getting getting your machine in his shop, I think, is a big plus. But also you lose some control, you know, over how they're using it and why they're using it. But we'll see. 
I'm, I'm, I hope that we see that copper part, that same copper part centered. And I would like to have seen it this week. Like I would like to see it happen quickly. That video came out exactly a week ago Yeah. today. So, um, January 14th, that video yeah. came out on the 7th. So maybe, maybe we'll look forward to that. Maybe. I also, I also wonder if some, uh, manufacturer, okay. You've heard about, you've heard of, I feel like you already know where I'm going. You've heard about like some like Gucci, Louis Vuitton, like trying to protect their brand by keeping their merchandise out of certain people's hands. Have you heard of this? No, but I, this is a fun topic imagine because I like, just had a conversation about this the other day. Imagine Louis Vuitton going to Cardi B and saying, Hey, um, we don't want our bags in your music videos, that sort of thing. Okay. Because they build up a brand image and other people start messing with the image that they've tried to create. I wouldn't be surprised if some companies would look at uh, Titan's shop and be like, ah, we don't, we don't want our stuff in that shop. Not that his shop isn't nice. It is a nice shop, but he's a, he has a polarizing personality. Yeah. Let's say that Trump has a high end metal AM tool yep. in their shop. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the thing with, I'm not going to get into it. The Gucci thing. <laughs> the, it's such an interesting thing. Can yeah. I just say one thing? Sure. How freaking t-shirt can cost $300. Oh, if it says Supreme on it? Because the materials that, you know, yeah. like you can buy a nice soft feeling t-shirt for probably 20 bucks, just about yeah. anywhere. Yeah. And not to mention like their graphics are so hideous and ugly. It's like, <laughs> let's see how ugly we can make this t-shirt <laughs> and how much people are still willing to spend on it. Yeah. Unbelievable. Ooh, I mean, it's different. Like the Lululemon conversation, for example, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a lot of guys around here that are wearing Lululemons. Thank goodness they're not leggings, but they're pants. <laughs> yeah. Some guys um, I wouldn't mind if they were leggings. <laughs> so, <laughs> so these look at the butt on that. Yeah. So okay, we just went through harassment training, so you can't say that. Uh, whatever. Just FYI. It, who knows? But Kay. I'm not going to say it to anyone. That was a uh, hypothetical. <laughs> Anyway, um, they have like some crazy warranty and supposedly their materials are really, really good. They mm -hmm. last a long time. There are reasons why those cost, you know, a, a little bit more than your traditional stuff. Yeah, but it's still like 100 to $150 for like pants. Yeah, which is in the range of what other pants may cost. Yeah. Um, but Gucci offers nothing other than it's status Gucci it's status and I'm not I'm just using Gucci as an example it could be these other high-end brands it just this is another rant yeah I'm not gonna go off the on it. streetwear stuff is something I really don't understand at all <laughs> we don't need we don't need to get it <laughs> we don't need to get into it because I have no idea what I'm talking about we need to get one of our guys in here we have another a uh, uh, a person oh yeah oh yeah but there is an element to some shops want um, to show off the machinery that they've purchased. I went to a machine shop in Houston in December and we did a tour and I asked him, why did you take the badging off all of your machines? Like they actually stripped the branding off of all of their machines. He's like, well, funny you noticed that. We started noticing that parts that we create a certain way on certain machines started showing up in the market that we didn't make. And what was happening were people who visited their facility, taking notes, et cetera, et cetera, and then going overseas, in this case, not to Asia. Telling them, hey, you can make this part on this machine. Basically just copying this the setup. So buying the same machines, tackling the same sort of parts, and it sort of threatened their way of doing business. So their leadership was like, um, we need to make some changes. And part of the changes were they, they were trying to anonymize their machines as much as possible. Like if you know, if you know machines, like you could look at them and 
you pretty much know, yeah. but they're just trying to make it a little bit harder for people to to replicate what they were doing. To rip off. That makes a- sense. Attempt, attempt to rip, do- rip off, yeah. Which I, c- total I can appreciate end. that. Yeah, total opposite end of the spectrum. So since we're on the technology, or the, yeah, we're kind of on a technology rant right now and machining. Okay. I have a topic. All right. Nice. Multi-axis, five-axis to be more exact. That's too exact. 3D printing. That's too exact. It Is has it? to be more broad than that. Multi-ax- multi-axis, or uh, what did you call it, off-plane uh, printing? You could say multi-axis. You could say non-planar. You could say conformal. Okay. I think that's pretty comprehensive. So I saw this video pop up the other day on my LinkedIn. And I had someone reached out through LinkedIn asking about this. Really? Yeah. So I'm, I'm playing the video right now. Um, I'm not gonna, let's see. This is some nice music. It is, so let me tell you about it. This YouTube channel that I was, this is just the exact link that I was sent to. The YouTube channel is called Creality Cloud FR. Okay. Frank Roger. Frank Roger. And <laughs> I'm going to stop playing this video just because I hate the music so bad. <laughs> I liked it. But it's a one minute video and it's mesmerizing. It is a little relaxing, but it just shows um, some that what looks like FDM. So okay. your typical deposition on a moving axis. The machine that it's showing is from a company called V-Shaper. Okay. And they make a few machines, but I think this is the only one that's a five axis from just the quick quick and dirty research that I did. Very, very cool. And I think there's a few benefits. And it seems like multi-axis 3D printing is picking up steam. I don't know if it's picking up steam, because a lot of... It's picking up as much steam as blogs are. <laughs> a lot of the attempts at commercializing uh, multi-axis printing that I'm aware of date back to like 2016, 2017. Let's talk about the problems <clears throat> first and the benefits. Okay. okay. Um, let's define multi-axis first of all. So five-axis, many people could visualize like a five-axis CNC machine but not everyone's familiar with that. Probably most everyone is familiar with like a standard three axis system where you have movement in X and Y and Z and that movement is linear. So you're moving linearly in space. When you get to four, five, six axis machines, you're adding rotation around X, Y, or Z. So you have, we live in 3D space but in our machines operate in 3D space, but you can add axes of rotation around these linear axes. So a five axis machine typically would have three linear axes, X, Y, Z, and two rotational axes. And those are called ABC, depending on whether or not it's uh, rotating around X, Y, or Z, it's ABC. And just to dial this in a little and, and simplify it even further, what would be the benefit to this in just traditional machining, subtractive? So why do people go upgrade from a three axis to fourth and fifth and sixth? Yeah, so there's a few reasons. I think you could boil it down to accessibility. So by being able to rotate either- Part accessibility. Yeah, by, by rotating either the part or the tool, you can access more areas of the part. In a single setup. Yeah, so you're reducing the number of setups by adding- you know, rotational control. And if you had five axes, that gives you two rotational axes, that's going to give you a lot more access than just four axis. You don't see a lot of six axis machining setups, but they do exist. The most conventional way of getting to six axis would be like your standard robotic arm. Now, robotic arm doesn't actually operate in XYZ linear space, but you still, you still coordinate it in XYZ, ABC, linear space. But the yeah. actual kinematic chain is a lot more complex. But it does give you six-axis um, 
the equivalent of six axis access. You do see some like five axis or not five axis, but gantry style routers that have three rotational axes. So they're six axis. Um, they're pretty rare and specialized, but they do exist. So it's all about access and reducing setups and being able to cut features in a way that is advantageous. Either you're putting the tool in a stronger position, right? So like if you were contouring a shape, if you were if you had to be normal, you're you might be using a less efficient part of the tool or your tool might be liable to deflect. So if you could rotate it and lean it in to a cut, or if you could put it sideways and use like the full flute length, like there's a lot of reasons why you would want to rotate a part or the tool. In a lot of ways, it doesn't matter if you're rotating the part of the tool, it's all about just relative to each other. So with printing, um, a lot of it's about access. Uh, a big push into this type of printing is to reduce support the need for support in certain features and to improve surface finish in certain features and mechanical properties in certain features. So it's beneficial. You don't uh, yeah. need support like on a lot in, of parts. I would say if you had a choice, all things being equal, like workflow being equal, cost being equal, et cetera, et cetera, I think for sure you would prefer a multi-axis machine. But in reality, not all of those are equal yet. So the downside is programming, slicing. Yep. You're it's basically, you must have some sort of hybrid slicer slash cam software. Yeah, there's a lot of work into non-planar slicing. And it's been a very difficult problem for people to tackle. Um, I've learned that really there's two there's two ways of two algorithms to do this non-planar slicing. One is based on the volume and it looks at the volumetric area and it would divide parts into buildable versus non-buildable. And if it's non-buildable, then it would computationally try to figure out what would be a buildable direction. It's very computation heavy, uh, which sucks. And then there's another <laughs> one. <laughs> It, Just matter-of-factly. Yeah, and then there is another conventional method where they they basically construct a skeleton of the model, but that would miss out on internal features. So if you had tubular structures or other sort of structures, they would get totally lost. Um, and so that was very difficult. But I did read a paper that was published recently about a new method that seems to be pretty promising for automatic slicing of these features, but it's kind of geared towards just like tubular features. So imagine manifold, it, like a single path manifold. So like an inlet tube, tube. or something yeah. where it's pretty obvious what direction you'd want to be um, slicing from. Mm -hmm. But once that splits out into multiple areas, then it, these algorithms break down. And so the other, the <laughs> other part of this is you could go to a cam model, right? Like human assisted slicing, that would be one step. And then human assisted programming of tool paths would be another step, which is totally doable. Like conceptually, if you're looking at a cam software, you're, you're presented with a solid and a solid that's bigger and you're subtractively programming tool paths to get from the big solid down to the small solid. Conceptually, it wouldn't be that difficult, I think, to just flip that and say like, here's a small solid or nothing, build up to create this. The tool paths should be pretty similar, but very few CAM tools have anything additive related in them. I think Esprit has some. Um, that's actually the only one I'm aware of. So these hybrid machines, the DMG machine that's hybrid. Trump. And, uh, Trump has like a cladding machine. Uh, Mazak has a hybrid machine 
when you go to ask these guys, like, how do you program these machines? You get not very many direct answers. So, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes getting a direct answer, though, is like, I don't know. Sometimes you know how to do certain things and you don't know how to explain it. That's true. To someone. And but, you know the situation they're in where it's like they have some base knowledge, but yeah. you need to deliver it in the way. Sure. In the right way for it to be understood. I and mean, if I'm if, faced with that all the time with explaining the J55's build volume. Yeah. I'm like, but if they ask you it. like, uh, what program did you use to slice this? You'd be like, GrabCAD. Because it's it's a very direct, an yeah. easy answer. But if it's like, well, I use this, but I don't know if you would use this, and da 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 da. Yeah. Then, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Oof, I hate that. Eventually, it won't be that, though. We know that if it's doable, in a matter of time, I think it'll be, it'll be doable. I think, I think that they're... So... People are trying to get away from using supports and they're trying to to find ways of creating more isotropic parts. Mm, with FDM? With the multi-axis. They're trying to they're trying to find ways of creating parts that have strength where the, they want them. Like they're using the anisotropy to their advantage. Yeah. I guess they're side they're trying to get around the the layer weakness, the Z layer weakness. Yeah, so they're accepting that it's going to be anisotropic, but they're trying to create like a per-feature isotropy, mm -hmm. right? Which in an ideal situation, you would want isotropic. Right. You would want isotropic features. Mm -hmm. but So they're adding complexity to deal with the anisotropy. Um, adding axes is one way of doing it, but another way of doing it is just finding other ways to print parts. And so I think that's where we've seen more movement is like parts into powder bed fusion or DLP or other, other methods. Although DLP is an example of a technology that would also benefit from multi-axis uh, approach. Like think about our origin machine. It just pulls up in Z. Mm -hmm. But if you could tilt that bed, then we could avoid a lot of our support structures. Yeah. And in my mind, there is more incentive to avoid supports in resin printing than there is in FDM. Big time. Big time. Mm -hmm. Not a bad thought. Yeah. And think about this. You could build a part that's <laughs> bigger than the build tray. <laughs> think if, about it. If you could tilt the bed, you could build a part that's the XYZ dimensions are bigger than your, your resin bat because you could pull it You're right. out. Yeah. And curve it out of the... It's an interesting thought. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. And you get better surface finish, et cetera. So there, there is a lot of advantages. Like put put that platform, the DLP platform, on a on the end of a robotic arm. So you have total control of it. Mm -hmm. Like there would be some limits to the angle you can tilt at, right? Because your platform would start to... Well, it's like those, those FDM machines that they put a like a conveyor belt on. Yeah. So it can just go forever. Yeah. Which is, sm that's a smart thing, but it never really caught on. Yeah. And I don't know, I don't know why. In fact, I, I've, I have a feeling this is going to catch on for reasons you've just said. We haven't seen it with resins yet. At yeah. least I haven't seen any videos of, of, of it with resins, but I've seen it now a bunch of times with FDM. Yeah. But it's not outside of the question to think this is, I, I, I do think it's useful. I think it's useful too. I mean, it's it's commercialized in the sense that you have hybrid machines, like CNC machines that have additive heads added, um, third party or from stock that are four or five axis machines that can do machining and cladding or DED. Mm -hmm. But those are hybrid machines. I'm not sure. To I'm me, there's nothing cool about a hybrid machine. I'm sorry. That one just doesn't butter my bread. Yeah, I think I'm with you on that. And I think we talked about this on an episode. Ugh. Um, but a pure additive machine that's multi-axis and largely available, I'm not aware of it. 
Another way of doing non-planar is your head is always pointing down in Z still, but it doesn't have to work in just a flat plane. Like it could move with the contours of the part. Mm -hmm. Does that make sense? So almost like three axis surfacing. Yeah, like contouring. Yeah, contouring. Um, There's a company called Non-Planar that has a slicer that does that. I don't know much about it, but it's nonplanar.xyz is their website. I mean, it runs in Rhino. What's cool about that is it is working in plane. It, the plane just shifts, right? Like, so it's contouring along one datum, but it's moving in Z as it goes across that datum. Yeah. Is that the right way to explain that? You get the point though. Uh, Yeah. Like in terms of programming, it seems somewhat simplistic to, to go that route with additive. Like say I build the body up or the main layers in Z Mm -hmm. and that's all built up in a shape. And then this comes across, we shift the datum from being flat to vertical. And then you run across in your slices this way to contour, maybe, you know, in 5,000th width contours. Yeah. Yeah. And then you just go from left to right. The extrusion is always in the Z direction, but the the Z value is not constant within a particular extrusion. So I think for certain geometries that that would be helpful, but not all. It'd look good. It would definitely look look better in a lot of geometries, but that also hasn't caught on. (laughs) At least that one you could do, you could do with the same hardware. Like there, there really is no hardware change other than maybe your hot end, you would want longer and thinner. Like your extrusion tip, you would want long and thin as possible. Which is one of the advantages of additive versus subtractive is you don't have high loads on the head. That's true. Right? But you're dealing with heat loads. So that would be the hardest part. Like you can't Mm. just go infinitely thin and long (laughs) because it would just clog. (laughs) Right. So you're balancing. Well, and the heat could affect the other thing things surrounding it as well. As it's in their extruding material, it's heating something that it's already printed. Yeah. Could cause warping. Yeah. So, you know, that would be an interesting design problem to tackle. Like how how long and spiky could we make uh, a hot end? Because without any other change to the the printer, then you could print non-planar and you'd have clearance. That's the whole reason why we want that long like a long boss protrusion for the hot end is so that yeah. you could get up next to things that you already printed. Or think about you're trying to climb a, a ramp up. You're, you could only get so close. It would it limit, only it be would so limit the steep angle. It before would, you start running into it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. It would limit your, your um, extrusion angle. But if it was like a point, if it's a point, you could go infinitely step up, but you can't get to a single point. So you would want like some me. sort of cone. You're losing me. Imagine, You're need to use your hand signals. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if we could extrude through like a single point, like a one dimensional okay. extrusion. We sure. could go right up to a wall and then jump straight up it. Mm. A 90 degree jump, but we can't do that. We have some 2D surface really 3D. So that that limits your clearance. Like think about you're trying to chamfer on a corner and you're coming into a wall. You can only get that tool so close yeah. to the wall, right? Right. Same. It's the same challenge. Makes yeah. sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So speaking of this software, complexities of the software, you'd mentioned to me some sort of freeware that's just recently come out. I don't know much about this. But Is I would it actually interrelated in any way other than that it's software. <laughs> it it could be. It could be. So if you were thinking about design optimization for additive, you would want to know your method of printing, right? So mm-hmm. if you're gonna design something for FDM versus DLP and you're designing it for optimization, you would take into account the limits of FDM or DLP. And we know with FDM, you could control the interior of the part to some degree. 
And if you're talking about like a football helmet or something that has some organic shape to it, and you're printing in 3D, your optimum design would look a little bit different than if you were printing in five axis. Like your interior would look a little bit different. And so it goes to the discussion around conformal design and like conformal lattices and conformal things that are conforming to the outside shape. So we've talked about lattice creation tools in the past, like NTOP, and topology is one that we've been using and experimenting with. And I've so far really enjoyed using it. It's a little challenging. It's got a bit of a learning curve, but it's very, very powerful. Um, Magics is another tool that we have available to us. SolidWorks has some tools and other tools, but uh, Carbon 3D is a company that has released a ton of consumer products like Adidas shoes use these conformal lattices they've supposedly released a carbon the the dlp company that's our yeah. well they the call it clip but direct yeah. competitor to they are our direct the competitor origin. okay yeah, yeah yeah um they call it clip but yeah same thing pretty much um they've released a free tool for doing lattice uh creation lattice cad work i haven't used it i'm curious about it but i thought it was worth mentioning well, and it's free. It's a contribution to the community. In you my gotta mind. love that. Yeah, you gotta appreciate it. So, you know, I'm sure it has some limitations, it being free, but I think it's a it's a cool step in the right direction. Well, for the, for the user, I'm excited about that. We probably need to go soonish, because guess why? Why? H350 is being delivered today. Pretty exciting. That is exciting. So we rented a forklift, <laughs> yep. which we hope has showed up potentially while we've been talking um, or here pretty soon. And before we go, though, we got some we got some Stratasys news in pop culture. We got a big surprise, big announcement, <laughs> big announcement. Yes. <laughs> uh, you ever heard of Apple? Yes. Ever heard of Apple TV? Yes. Ever heard of they have some good shows? Yeah. One of the one, um, Ted Lasso, that one's really popular. I've heard. This I've, has nothing to do with Stratasys. I've heard I've heard people love Ted Lasso because it's just so wholesome. And then like now people are starting to get sick of how wholesome it is. What? <laughs> no. I haven't watched it myself, but I do know that Apple TV, they've put out some some decent originals. Uh-huh. They have a new one coming out which I believe is like uh, a Ben Stiller product. Okay. It's called Severance. Okay. And I guess the idea behind it is they surgically separate people's minds from work and at home. Okay. So that their at work life is 100% at work. They cannot remember anything that happened at work when they're at home and vice versa. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so this is, it's very, very high tech. You know, you watch the teaser, do watch the teaser. That's basically what I'm plugging right now um, because it features like a hundred Stratasys F370s. <laughs> oh yeah. And a bunch of them are real. They're not just all computer generated F370s. So one of the shots shows just two rows of F370s. That's cool. And it's got the people in lab coats operating them and everything. It's, it's That's really cool. cool. So I'm excited to see the show. And maybe there will be some little cameos by by Stratasys yeah. machines and or people. Yeah. I'm a big fan of 3D printing popping up in uh, movies and TV shows. Oh, it's it's all over the place. And I try to mention it every time I see it. <laughs> Anything notable, I'm like, I'm all about it. So yeah. Uh, yeah. There right you on. go. Severance. Give it a look. Give the teaser a look. And my YouTube of the day is probably, did I Ooh. even mention? I mentioned the channel did for you? the for the five-axis machine. Um, mention yeah. it again. I don't remember. Creality Cloud FR. Okay. If you just search that, um, the title of the video is, is interesting. It's called Impression 3D Sans Support. Okay. And it's really cool. So give that a watch. Watch the uh, 
the little teaser for that TV show, Severance, and see if you catch the little glimpse of the Stratus F-370. Nice. Severance. When does that show air? <laughs> Heck if I know. <laughs> Come on, Tyler. I'm probably not going to watch it. My I'm kidding. I, my I YouTube will. of the day is Charlie Garcia. I'm looking it up. I've been. Oh, we have one more thing to talk about before we go. This might be related. Okay. So I've been binging on his videos lately um, because I've been trying to learn as much as I can about rocketry. Argentine singer songwriter? No. <laughs> Gar Charlie Garcia. Look up. It's just Charlie Garcia. Um, YouTube? L, L I E on Charlie. Yeah. That's what I did. Astro Chuck. That doesn't sound right. Yeah, it's him. Is it? Astro Chuck? MIT Rocket Team. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just looking at his Twitter. So he's got a series of videos on YouTube going over rocket design and specifically like liquid rocket design, which has been fascinating me for the past couple of weeks. And uh, his efforts have been really helpful to, uh, to help me understand... <laughs> what it would look like to design and build and test a rocket on a small scale. Copenhagen Suborbitals is another YouTube channel that I've really enjoyed, but that's on a higher end. But it, they are, they're doing like an open source uh, rocket that's pretty badass. Got it. I finally found his channel that I had to do some digging. Yeah, what's <laughs> the actual channel name? Charlie Garcia. Okay, I thought it was. Yeah. It sucks. It's so difficult. But it's good content. It's well, good it's because there's some other famous people named Charlie yeah. Garcia. I've been trying to figure out a project to do with Velo 3D. And it's been very challenging because the product or the market that they serve is very high-end. You know, it's very high-end rocketry, very high-end oil, machinery. gas, and energy, turbo machinery, turbo pumps, et cetera. And so the scope of the projects that would really take advantage of Velo uh, are pretty significant. And I've been trying to find a way to like do a smaller scale, like small team capable project that makes sense. Like, you know, we have exact metal and we can print some metal parts, but even those, these metal parts don't do anything on their own. Like they're part of systems and subsystems and the projects get complicated pretty quickly. But anyway, I've been down this really long rabbit hole of rocketry, like solid fuel rockets, hybrid fuel rockets, full liquid fuel rockets. All of which we're never gonna build here. We actually could do a hybrid fuel rocket really easily. And it's some of the stuff that we've talked with, like in like the Integza YouTube channel. Remember, mm -hmm. he's done yeah. a ton of little rocketry things that are. This is Integza's the crazy kid that like yeah. makes the different colored yeah. lightning and uh -huh. stuff in his house. No, crazy. no, 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 no. He's the. Are you sure? He's like the Polish guy. I don't think he's Polish, but. And he's got <laughs> he's got like all the posters of Nikola Tesla, and we've talked about his channel before. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling it up. I'm giving myself a reminder. I'm kind of disappointed that you would forget who Integza is. He's... I'm not as enthralled by the rocketry. I mean, I, I did model rockets as a kid, but yeah. I... This okay, stuff is on a different level. I remember this guy. He's awesome. So one of his most recent videos is about um, these hybrid or 3D... This is a Phoenix. Like it's 3D printed Phoenix. rocket this fuel. Model. I'm pulling it up. Which is pretty incredible. So a hybrid rocket uses a solid fuel source and a gas oxidizer. So it could be as simple as vinyl tubing that you run oxygen through. The oxygen is the oxidizer and the vinyl tubing itself is the fuel. So you run compressed um, oxygen through a vinyl tube and light the end of it, that's a hybrid rocket in action. There's no thrust or anything like that, but it's a hybrid rocket because it starts to consume the vinyl as the fuel source. But you could print solid things. The problem with vinyl 
tube is like, it's the diameter, right? And so as it starts to consume it, the diameter is changing. And so your fuel consumption rate is changing. So one of his last videos, I haven't, I haven't watched it, but I've seen the thumbnail of it. You've got these 3D printed shapes in different areas. And the idea being as it consumes itself from the inside out, the cross-sectional area of the fuel remains constant. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. Because it, it makes it much easier to predict like thrust, et cetera. Yeah. It's pretty rad. It's rocketry is awesome. Yeah. I'm not geeking out on it, Tyler. <laughs> I, I know. It, there's no doubt. It's awesome. It's amazing. And I do like this guy's channel a lot. Yeah. Not enough to remember it by heart, <laughs> but I do like it. But, but before we go, you did something cool with 3D printing that I think is more accessible okay. to yeah, yeah, yeah. maybe some of our listeners if they have FDM uh, or just, I know you use DLP, but you could have done this with FDM as well. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit about the awards? Yeah. Your, your, the bane of your existence? Yeah. So yeah, over the holiday break, when I had COVID, supposedly, I never tested positive, but I had to build like three dozen awards and um these if you've listened to past episodes you know that tyler has a history of making awards for the people here at go engineer it's kind of the responsibility that's fallen on his shoulders and he made this isn't the hovering beach one that i made fun of him for last yeah. year although that one's awesome it shouldn't you know the the cool thing is is like at least last year when they handed the awards out i got texts you know like hey these are cool yeah thanks for doing these crickets this year not one text. not a single timing may have had a lot to do with that though maybe they got the awards and left for p club well no what, what i'm saying is while they were on the trip like at the dinner people were texting me like hey these are awesome thank you for doing them etc as the actual people were receiving them so these weren't as well received I, is that that's what you're my saying? takeaway that's my takeaway oh my god for sure but these ones i thought were awesome so they were half printed on the J850 in full color, and then half they were molded and cast in concrete, which I'm gonna do a full write-up on, on how this is done. And you can find a lot of YouTube videos covering how you might do something similar. But ultimately, a, an important design aspect of the award was a very natural, organic feel to the award. Um, in, in the shape of Chichen Itza, which is an old Mayan pyramid. And instead of just printing it and maybe throwing some stone texture uh, spray paint on it, I 3D printed it, created a silicone mold of the 3D print, and then cast it in cement. And then once it was cast in cement, the actual casting looked too perfect. It, we, we printed the pattern. Little subtle flex there. Dude, we printed the pattern on the origin. So it was a DLP you know, resin pattern and it was so crisp. Every feature was just sharp and that all gets translated into the silicone mold and then that gets translated into the cement. Do you have a YouTube video or something or, or I, just some I keywords need, that people could look up if they wanted to see this process in action? I would just look up concrete cast 3D printing, something like that. Concrete or cement casting 3D printing. And there's some good channels Okay, um, that do it. And uh, I so, never got to see one of these, by the way. I know. Well, I still have to create 20 more, so you'll see them. <laughs> okay. You'll see them. I didn't do them this, this week, but I think next week I'm going to start doing. I could, I could cast eight a day. How many molds do you have? I have four molds. And they're holding up pretty well? Um... So these molds have, a, you you cast them and the parts kind of trap. So it's typical you just cut into the silicone and create a seam. Usually do it kind of diagonal so it keys together pretty well. And the silicone self seals pretty well. But over time, even after a couple pulls, that seam starts to grow. And so they're starting to show their age after they've each done, you know, about 10 pulls. They're showing their age, but they're still working. I just end up with a nice, um, 
little seam line. A seam line that a party. is like a parting line that's like an inch long that I just have to chip off. Not too bad. It's not too bad, but the, the cement actually, I had to age it because it was coming out of the molds too sharp and crisp. So I would take a wire brush, like a brass wire brush, and just really go at it with a lot of force and round off every corner, expose some of the aggregate to make it actually feel like stone. So they turned out pretty good. They're rad. I really want to see a picture or I, something. Yeah. I haven't I'm, seen anything. Well, we'll build some next week. And okay. I'm going to do a full write-up on this project, probably for the blog, um, and share. Because it's growing I think it's, in popularity. It's easy. It's easy, but I, I did have to do a little bit of research on like what cement to use and how do you, how do you color it. And um, there's some tips and tricks I have. Sweet. Yeah. I'm excited fun. to see that. It was fun. Well, that's all I wanted to get. I all wanted right. to, I wanted to get some of your personal projects. I know you've been working on stuff, so Yeah, we're going to have to talk about yours next week. Yeah. I've got one that's cool. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. It, it it we haven't gotten to the point where it's additive related yet, but some scanning It'll and get there. Modeling. Yeah, we'll get It'll there. get there. Okay, great. Well, it's great to be back. We have now officially made it um, an entire year of podcasting, by the way, <laughs> all of 2021. So now, we cool. didn't hit our weekly goal, but we did, th- you I know, think this 30- is episode 37. Is it? And we did a few before the end of the year. So we had over 30 episodes last year. Yeah. Well over 30, potentially yeah. into the forties. And we were, had a really good pace the first half of the year. And then Q3, it slowed a little bit. And then Q4, it slowed a little bit. We'll pick back up. Yeah, we will. Well, thanks for being with us. Yeah, thank you for listening. And um, really sincere thank you, yeah. Tyler. Gosh, continue sending come in, on. Continue sending in questions because uh, they really help us understand like, you know, what you guys are hoping to get out of the show and also just topics that, you know, you'd like to hear more about. Yeah. We'd be happy to tackle them. It's show fuel. Show fuel. <laughs> Pod pod fuel. Yeah, pod fuel. Send us pod fuel, please. Cool. (laughs) Take care. Bye.